0: Hello and welcome to the Ambitions of the Dad podcast, the self-improvement podcast for dadpreneurs who want to be more and achieve more. We share insights into what it takes to be a high performer and find the balance between raising a family, building a business and living a healthy life. I am Jack Stacey and I'll be your host today. In today's episode, I am joined by Brendan from Master Talk, the go-to channel to mastering your talk. Brendan is a public speaking coach who helps you become the top 1% communicator in your industry. So if you find yourself struggling with confidence during pitches, you find yourself using hmm, ah a lot, or you don't feel you're engaging in your with your audience as much as you'd like to, this podcast is for you. As Brendan is going to be dropping some bombs on what it takes to become a top 1% speaker. So without further ado, let's get into it. So welcome Brendan, how are you?
1: very good jack how are you my friend
0: i'm very well thank you so obviously we've just been speaking a little bit off camera then before we hit record so um you're from canada is that right yeah you've got a Montreal. yeah awesome so you are actually our first international guest so ambitions of the dad is going international so congratulations on that
1: oh i love it i didn't didn't think (laughs) canada counted as an international guest
0: yeah, or global. <laughs> awesome. So as, as I mentioned um, in the intro there that you're here today to talk talk about speaking, um, improving our, our talk as entrepreneurs, as dads as well. Um, so, But before we sort of get into the main like meat of the interview, I just wanted to start off with sort of like a, an icebreaker question just so I can get to know you a little bit more. So I'd like to start off and sort of knowing your goals for this year. So, what are the three things that you would like to accomplish this year?
1: Yeah, for sure, Jack. Great question. So, for me, my my top three goals for the year is number one, growing my coaching practice, scaling that, impacting more lives. The second one is growing my YouTube channel, right, increasing the sub count on that. And I would say the third one is having more fun. You know, going to more personal development conferences. Uh, I love I love traveling, so spending more time mm-hmm. with family as well as on the agenda.
0: Awesome, awesome. So you say there about traveling at the minute. How, are you able to, obviously in Canada with COVID, what are the restrictions like over there at the minute?
1: Yeah, life, life is actually not so bad anymore. Like, Because uh, most of my traveling's to the US. And since uh-huh. Canada and the US has an agreement, it's it's pretty quickly easy to go back and forth.
0: Awesome, awesome. Good to hear, my friend. So you've got a, a busy year planned,
1: yeah i'm sure the both of us do
0: (laughs) yes we do we always do right so obviously so public speaking is this something which has sort of always been like natural to you or is it something that you've had to like develop over sweat and tears like really refine your craft how how has it been for you
1: Definitely the second category, Jack. So the story was, you know, growing up in Montreal, for those who don't know, you need to know how to speak French, right, to do well in that city. So when I was five, six years old, my parents admitted me to a French education system, but I didn't know the language. Mm -hmm. So my whole life, not only did I struggle with presentations, I had to present in a language I didn't even know. So when I would go up to, let's say, I don't know, first or second grade classroom, and I would look at them and say, bonjour and that was my life growing up so not so easy
0: <laughs> <laughs> the the only french i know is a uh, bonjour Jim m'appelle jack uh, tout a pal, that's pretty good that's pretty
1: oh, good actually that, 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 that,
0: <laughs> 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 Bomb. That, that, that's that's literally all i remember from school uh, french um so over here we have to do it i think we did it for two years so like year 7 to year 9 um and then from like year 9 you can pick it if that's what you want to take like as a course um to do so I didn't really like it at the time, sort of looking back now that I wish I did sort of speak another language, I think it would be pretty cool, Um, but that's literally all I can remember, and if I remember right, that's, hello, my name is Jack, so yeah, so ever since then, you were just mentioning that public speaking wasn't sort of like your forte, so how did you like develop the craft then?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what happened after Jack was when I was in university, I started doing these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were playing rugby or footy or cricket or some other sport that I I wasn't really built to do as you can tell from looking at me. I was doing presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. And I also went back to English school. But the thing is, is as I was doing those presentations, other students started entering the program and we didn't have a communication coach. So I just said, eh, might as well just help them out. And I had no clue what I was doing, but that's how I learned how to refine my craft and th- where the idea for Master MasterTalks started with.
0: Awesome, awesome. So, so is it sort of just being like your life's work from then? Did you just sort of find it was sort of a passion uh, and then you've just gone from that way, is that right?
1: Yeah, so it started as a hobby, really. You know, I, I was coaching people for what, from 19 to 22, just helping students. I probably helped like 75 of them. And then when I started working in corporate, I was at IBM for a few years. Before, before I started working there, I just started making YouTube videos in my basement because I realized a lot of the stuff I was sharing wasn't available for free. And then a few years later, I was working at IBM and side hustling MasterTalk. And then I got to a point where MasterTalk, you know, became my full-time thing.
0: Awesome man. Awesome. Well done. So why why is it now that you think like it's important for like a business owner, an entrepreneur, like that they sort of do dive into this craft? Like why why do you think it's important?
1: Absolutely. So let let's go into three simple reasons here, Jack. So I would say the first one is as an entrepreneur, you're always pitching all the time. <laughs> you're always talking about your service or what you're offering. Not necessarily on a stage, but in everyday conversations. And communication is every interaction you have with every human being. So if you can't succinctly explain what you do, people are less likely to help you. They're like, well, I don't really understand what you do, so I I can't refer you customers. I can't help you out with any business challenges you're facing. That's the first reason. The second reason is your personal life. How you balance your personal life and your professional life as an entrepreneur is absolutely crucial. And communication is a key point. So if you can't communicate with your significant other, your nieces, your nephews, your family, about getting the time that you need to execute the business, your whole thing is going to be in shambles. Because now you're trying to manage the personal life and you don't have the energy for the business anymore. And then the third one is communication skills as you scale the business. So let's say you're an entrepreneur and making less than a hundred thousand dollars a year to two fifty. You could probably be a solopreneur in most businesses, product or service base. But if you scale up to seven figures, you need to scale your communication skills because at some point you can't deliver the work anymore. You gotta teach other employees to deliver the work for you. And that demands a completely different set of com to master.
0: Awesome. So what would you say like so sort of is like the the blockage then to stop someone going from that being a six-figure owner to a seven-figure owner, what would be like the sort of key thing that they'll need to work on?
1: Yeah, I would say for me from a communication lens, so there's definitely a bunch of other things. They might have multi-product channels. They might not be focused on one specific thing and delivering great results. But I'd say from a communication perspective, the number one challenge is the lack of prioritization. Most entrepreneurs go, I don't have time to work on my communication skills. It's not Mm -hmm. important. I got a bunch of other things to do. I got, you know, my husband, my wife yelling at me in the mornings. I got, (laughs) you know, my kids, I got all that stuff. And what I would encourage entrepreneurs to start thinking about is to start setting communication goals for themselves. A lot of entrepreneurs have business goals, career goals, health goals, but they don't have goals for their communication skills. So I would encourage people to start developing those for themselves.
0: So obviously like you just mentioned then like exercise, like we've got we've got financial goals, we've got sort of our health goals. Now I recommend that we should sort of sort of exercise 30 to 60 minutes sort of a day or at least three to four times a week. Um, What would you say like this should sort of be put into side for like the communication?
1: Absolutely. Great question, man. I would say that it's a different spectrum. So let's start with the easiest one first. And you're probably at the other side of the spectrum because you doing this podcast and investing, you know, a few hours a week doing this is in many ways making you a better communicator and of itself, like when you compare episode one to where you're at today. But what I would say the easiest thing for entrepreneurs today is all I'm asking for is five minutes a day, that's it. All you have to do, and you don't even need a partner for this, is to practice what I call the random word exercise. All you do is you pick a random word like phone or headphone, and you start giving presentations impromptu. You can do this with your kids if you have any. And what happens, like the audience, I know you do. And then what happens hey. is as you practice this daily, you become a lot better at impromptu speaking. And that makes you a better communicator in general.
0: Awesome. So do you, could I test you on this now? Could we see a, a live demo? Of, so, so Could I pick you a hard. word?
1: Yeah, give me anything. Just not no, no slang. That's I think you're from the UK. Oh. Like, no, UK. <laughs> no UK. Or else I want to send the word.
0: Okay, okay. How how about a kettlebell? These so are these one here in the background. Go go with sure. that one then.
1: Sure, let's do it. Everyone asks me, Jack, what is the key to success? Is it working out every morning? Is it doing the right things? Running, having the right breakfast? But I always answer two words. The kettlebell. People get confused. Why is Brendan preaching the kettlebell? He doesn't look like a guy who even uses the kettlebell. You know, the truth is, Jack, I don't. But I find the kettlebell is such a great symbolism for how we should live our lives. The first time we look at that kettlebell, we might think, I don't want to lift this thing. It seems heavy. But if we make the decision to lift that kettlebell every single morning or every few days a week, we start to do things that make us uncomfortable. So instead of just ringing the bell every morning, we pull the kettlebell up in the morning. And what this does is it helps us embrace what's possible. Imagine if you lifted the kettlebells of your life every day, not just the physical one that we're talking about, but the different weights on your shoulders, the kettlebells of your health, the kettlebells of your fitness, the kettlebells of your business. And if you do those weights every morning you'll notice that those kettlebells aren't as bad as you initially thought they were. So keep lifting them and keep soaring.
0: Awesome. I love that. Well done. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, uh, how, how could uh, someone, a dad at home who's listening to this, how, what words should they be picking? Like, how, how could they go and find some words? Is it literally a case of the, the kids tell, picking them a word and they go in or is there a technique which you would recommend?
1: Yeah, absolutely, brother. And, and the other piece I want to emphasize is don't compare yourself to me, everyone who's listening. I've done this exercise 3,000, 4,000 times, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not exaggerating the numbers. So as I you know, do this more, you get more comfortable. And the reason you want to do this as an entrepreneur, because you're probably thinking, this is a stupid exercise, why am I doing this? The reason is because you want to do the harder thing outside of business. Okay. You already know what you're doing in business. Like that's the product, that's the service you're selling. But if you're talk about random things outside of the business, like me with kettlebells, well, when Jack's asking me a question on communication, I probably know the answer. It's probably easy, right? Because that's my subject matter expertise. So think about it from that point of view. But the other piece is how you practice this. I would say doing it with the kids, if you have any, is the easiest thing because it holds you accountable. Because you have them do the exercise and then you realize really quickly that they're much better than you at it. And then it holds you accountable. The other piece I would recommend is just look at objects. Don't overthink it. Like literally phone, copper, uh, headphone. I'm just looking at stuff in my basement right now, pistachios, etc.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So is, would you recommend, is it sort of just fitting five minutes in in the morning? Is the best sort of practice to do this to get the brain firing or is it sort of as and when?
1: Yeah, I would say definitely first thing in the morning is the easiest because you just want to get it away with. I do this with my personal development. So before this podcast started, I already listened to an hour and a half of podcasts for myself, just learning and developing. Because I know I get more tired during the day. Everyone's different, but I generally recommend getting it out in the morning
0: is easy. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely a morning person when it comes to things like that. I try and do the the hardest things in the morning. Um, So I'm not suffering from like, decision fatigue later on in the day so if people are listening I would definitely recommend the morning as well and it's probably not probably it's definitely something I will try tomorrow tomorrow morning straight away so that was one tip then so what what sort of other tips would you sort of think that people struggle with some I've obviously I've had a look on your YouTube and I've seen like different videos you're throwing out there I've seen one about master silences so could you tell me a little bit more about that one
1: yeah, really Happy to Jack. So, so the idea of silences is how you pause in the presentations that you give or the speeches that you deliver. So there's two key mistakes here. Either entrepreneurs are too quick, like this, 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 they're going through their sentences. So people aren't paying attention or as they're speaking, there's too many filler words. So they're saying, okay, uh, yeah, Jack. So, uh, and, and this is how most, a lot of people speak. So, how do we fix those two key issues? What you want to do is every time you want to say a filler word, like an um or ah, you want to replace that with nothing. And that's what exceptional communicators do best. So, whenever somebody asks us a question, we don't go, "Uh, uh, what's the answer to this? Instead, they do, thanks for the question, Jack, really appreciate it. So if they forget something as they're answering, they just replace it again with a pause. And that's the trick. But the easiest way to hold yourself accountable to it, I would say, is to have somebody else call you out on your filler words. So let's say you're talking with someone. They go, boom, boom. I would change this. I would change this. So it forces them always to get better at it.
0: Okay. And how long sort of should a pause sort of be then? Should it be like a one second pause or two to three? How long should they be pausing?
1: Yeah, I would say for me, what I always like to recommend, it's kind of like going to the gym, right? It is should we work out, you know, this set or this set? But it's, I think it's better if you just do it, right? So I would say the key is don't worry too much about the number of seconds. I would say practice longer pauses, just because it makes you more uncomfortable, and then when you do the harder thing. If you're pausing for, let's say, one second or two, like, like I'm doing on this show, it becomes very natural. I actually take this extreme with clients where I have them practice a very difficult exercise called the endless gaze where I force them to pause for three minutes. And they can't say anything for three minutes. It's super uncomfortable. And obviously, you wouldn't do that in real life. Like you wouldn't pause for three minutes and just do this. right? <laughs> but it makes you really comfortable with just taking a breath.
0: Awesome. So is there a best time when to use a pause to sort of make this sentence be more impactful?
1: Mm. I, I usually don't like hard rules on this. I would say for me, it's follow your intuition as a speaker. And always, I would say the main core problem is there's generally not enough silences or pauses in most people's speeches. So even if there's just 10% more pauses, regardless of where there are, it'll generally make the presentation better. But of course, as you get more comfortable with it, so for example, let's take the gym example. So now you're consistent at this point, you're going to the gym three, five times a week. Then at that point, you're like, okay, now let's optimize my diet plans. Let's look at my calorie intakes. Let's Hire a personal trainer, maybe even a nutritionist to optimize all this, but do the optimization later. I would say for 90, 95% of people, if you're just practicing this five minutes a day, I consider that a massive win because people who are C-suite executives I've seen in my life can't even do this. So if you can do this, you're already ahead of most people.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So again, uh, just going back, you mentioned sort of filler words. So they're like the words, mm, ah, is the... any other techniques which you can sort of use to catch yourself if you're on your own with this you don't have like the partner is there any techniques you can help with that
1: yeah absolutely i'll give i'll give a principle as in why do we say filler words this is something people could could get value from the reason we say filler words is because we forget what we want to say next so let's say me and you are having coffee we're having a conversation and i forget what i want to say i go uh oh right jack that's what i was trying to say so whenever we forget what we want to say next this is when the filler word comes out so the best way to actually catch yourself doing this if you don't have a partner is simply to record yourself speak and let me give you the easiest way to record yourself speak okay in a way that doesn't stress you out where you have to do a 10 minute presentation under that all you have to do is write three people on a piece of paper that you really admire people in your network that you care so it might be jack for most of you right because jack's an awesome guy so you write jack's name down let's say so for you it might be your you know your significant other your kids etc. and then you write those three people's names down and then next to each person's name you just write one thing that you appreciate about them so let's say in jack's case i really like his mustache so i'm ready hey <laughs> i <you>. really <laughs> like your mustache it's amazing and the the sign that you have in the back that most of you don't see that says just don't quit So then what you do is you send that person. So let's say I sent you a video, a 30 second video, just saying, Hey, Jack, really appreciated you having me on the show. Love your mustache. And you're just don't quit sign in the back. Keep rocking it, my friend. That's it. So it's a 30 second video, a 30 second video. Exactly. And what this does is it makes your day better, and it's great practice for me because then I can rewatch my own video that I sent you. That's super easy. That literally takes two seconds to implement. Anyone can do this in thirty seconds, and then you could say, "How many filler words did I say?" And that's and the other reason why this matters also is because it creates impact for the other person. Even if you don't believe in yourself, even if you don't think you're a great speaker, Jack is probably going to say, "Wow, nobody sends me video messages," and then you feel that impact. Yeah.
0: So it's a good way to show a bit of gratitude as well, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, 100%. two birds, awesome. one stone.
0: Exactly. Uh, I send out at the minute gratitude text, so I'll definitely start doing. It. I do do videos myself. Um, um, using a filler word there myself. <laughs> okay. So yes, I'll definitely do that. So if you just, so, these are like simple fixes. But what happens if someone is sort of presenting to like a, a large audience, so to speak? Like they can use this, but you know, like for me personally, I found. If I'm engaging in a in a large room, I, I can uh, I can sort of attain like, the attention of the first few rows, but then I find it harder to get the people at the back, the ones who necessarily aren't as interested in what you've got to say. Do you have any sort of tips into that? Maybe how to like throw your voice, control the room.
1: Absolutely, brother. And, and the other piece I, I would say as a bonus, and then we'll, we'll get into this question is, you know, you called yourself up on a filler work. And, and the reason I feel that's so important is because you have that self-awareness. But the other thing I'll say is don't stress out about it. You, you know, so many people have me on a show and they're stressed because I'm there. They're like, oh my God, I'm like a lot more self-conscious about this. The goal is not to get to zero. The goal is just to say less than what you were doing before. Same thing with you know fitness. I'm not expecting people to become bodybuilders overnight. I sure won't. <laughs> yeah. But as long as you're you know losing some weight, you're being more fit, you feel a little bit better. Same thing. If you used to say 50 filler words and you're saying 25, I'm, yeah. I'm the number one fan. I'll be like, yes, that's amazing. If you're doing the random word excess five times a day and that's all you're doing, that's more than 90, 95% of people. And that's just the truth. So just keep pushing on that. So going to, to your question, how do you, how do you make things engage? Okay. There's no, there's no hook here. You know, some, some people might say, you know, Jack, if you jump up and just like twist your mustache, like everything's going to get sorted out. <laughs> that, that's not how life works. So what it always comes down to brother is, are we practicing the same presentation enough times? Because the problem is we keep switching presentations which shouldn't be the case for many entrepreneurs, by the way, because you're generally always pitching the same product or service. Mm -hmm. Obviously, some presentations will be different, but that one presentation should always remain the same. So I would say step one is figure out the presentation in your business that is the most consistent. And it's almost always your sales pitch, always, right? Because you're always selling your product or service. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is how you refine it. So as you practice this more and more times, you get feedback and you transition from, oh, my God, uh, what's in my, what content am I supposed to present to how am I delivering this? And that generally takes 15, 20 shots at the barrel. And then the third piece, which is how you practice presentations, is an analogy I use with clients called the puzzle analogy. So, do you guys do puzzles in the UK, like jigsaw puzzles?
0: Yeah, we've got, we, we're we not that far behind you. Don't worry. Okay, cool. <laughs> I
1: never know. You're not know surprising. The reason I asked that, Jack, is because some people don't know what a jigsaw puzzle is. It's totally normal. So, so let's say I ask you a simple question, Jack. So, if you're working on this jigsaw puzzle with your kids or your partner, which pieces do you start with first and why?
0: Um, so, if I do, I always start on the outside and work in. Um, right. But I know and what- people that go on the inside out. So,.
1: No, you're you're absolutely right. Right, so most people answer the edges, right? Usually, mm-hmm. some people, you know, some people answer the middle, and I always get confused like, how does that work? So, so the reason the edges are so practical, is so for those who don't know, is because the edges are super easy to find in a box. So let's say there's a thousand pieces; it's super easy to just pluck them all out and just put the outline in. Yeah. But here's the thing: we don't apply that analogy to communication. Most of us do what you said, the opposite. Some people shove a bunch of stuff in the middle. They shove a bunch of content, and then they ramble through a presentation. Wrong approach. What I would do instead is treat your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Do the intro, just the intro, 50 times until it's perfect. And that will only take you an hour. Same thing with the conclusion, what's a great movie with a terrible ending, right? Terrible movie. And then mm-hmm. tackle the middle.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, when you're presenting, should you sort of be stationary? Should you be sat? Should you be stood? Sort of what's the best sort of approach to obviously one to help your voice and uh, two to sort of keep that room engaged?
1: Absolutely. So, to keep things simple, you know what I've noticed, Jeff, is there's not really a difference between people who stand up and are stationary. Obviously, you want to stand up. I don't recommend sitting down whenever possible. If you're doing it live, if you're doing it virtually, it's okay. Like, it doesn't matter. I do all my, my, my speak me. I'm the coach, right? I always do all of my speaking engagements sitting down virtually, mm-hmm. but definitely in person stand up, but don't worry about moving around the stage. And the reason I say this because there's a lot of Ted talks in the world that have millions of views that are absolutely amazing where the person just stands in one place for 18 minutes. So don't worry about that too much. I would say uh, just make sure that you're doing the same presentation over and over and over again so that you see incremental, ex- sorry, exponential progress in a single presentation.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So as well as obviously we we speak with our mouths, obviously, but we can obviously communicate a lot with our eyes. So is there like any tips sort of on eye contact to sort of make the words more impactful at all?
1: Absolutely. So so there's two setting tricks there, one for virtual, one for in-person. So virtual is super simple, which is great. All you have to do is keep your eyes on the camera lens at all times, which I'm doing right now. Obviously people can't see that through the audio, but right, that's what I'm doing. What's cool about virtual is even if there's 10,000 people on a Zoom call, you still have to just look in the same spot and it'll look like you're looking at everyone directly. And a trick for this that I recommend, I'll give you a couple, and then you just pick your favorite. You could put like your favorite food here, your significant other, your kids next to the lens. So you're always looking there. And another trick I like as well is a post-it note that has an arrow that says look here or or else. That's a fun one for those who are a bit more sarcastic. And then the second trick is in person. What I recommend for in person is you want to try your best to look at every single person in the room at least once. Obviously it's a skill you'll develop over time. So what I would say is if you're a beginner speaker, don't worry about that now, do the random word exercise five times a day practice your communication like a jigsaw puzzle practice the filler words and then as you become more experienced then i'll encourage you to start doing that with your eye contact but i won't enforce it for for beginners so, for sure
0: so so it's not something like uh, imagining the room naked and you're you're presenting it. i've heard that one a fair few times <laughs> i can't do that myself i just start laughing <laughs>
1: you, you know it's funny brother because that's the reason why i started the youtube channel Because all that advice is like such nonsense. Like, like, for example, right, the the way I think about it, because we talked about a lot is communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. We're getting the eye contact right. I'm smiling. My vocal tone variation is great. My pacing isn't too fast, but it isn't too slow either. But the point I want to drive is don't try juggling all 18 at the same time, one ball at a time. Do the random word exercise. Get it right. Then do the filler words, get it right. And eventually you'll be able to juggle all 18 at the same time.
0: Awesome, awesome. So you just mentioned something there actually, which was about like the pitch, of the tone of your sort of voice. Now I've sort of like read like Jordan Belford's book, you know, The Straight Line Sales System. And he says then like the pitch is quite everything, how like you deliver the words, like they've all got different meanings, how you say different things. So could you sort of elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Happy to, but I'll also give a caveat in the context of the juggling balls. I was saying earlier, pitch is probably the 10th or the 11th ball. So I wouldn't start the journey there. I would really start with the random word exercise, the presentation, right? Puzzles, and then just build your way up to that 10th ball. But I would say for, to answer your question directly, there's two main tones you want to keep in mind. Well, three, if you count normal speaking tone, so high vocal tones, normal speaking tones and low vocal tones. So high vocal tones are generally used to talk about something positive. So a lot of our conversation is really negative. There's no car accidents or anything, right? We're, we're really happy. It's a celebration. It's fun. You got your mustache. We're having a great conversation, right? <laughs> Low vocal tone variation is when we t- want to talk about something serious. Mm-hmm. We want to take a pause. We want you to really focus on this because it's really important or it's really serious. And then speaking tone is how you normally speak. So the trick is whenever you're presenting, you want to test everything. You want to say, does it sound good high? Does it sound good low? And what pro speakers do is they try every tone and they, they listen to the one that sounds better and then they just implement that.
0: Awesome. So it's sort of when you want them to get excited and their emotions going, you sort of speak in a higher tone, uh, when you want them to listen and uh, concentrate more, you speak at a lower tone. Is that right? Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. I'll remember that one. So is there sort of any other tips or do you think that dads at home who are sort of presenting that the sales, whether that be in person to a group or virtually that they could benefit from?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say for entrepreneurs, one one thing that we can touch upon as well is a strategy I teach called question drills. So question drills are super simple. Oh, let me set the context first. Let's say you're an entrepreneur, you're guesting on a podcast, or you're giving a sales presentation, and the host of the podcast or a prospect that you're selling to asks you a question you don't know the answer to. So you go like, I don't know, what's your favorite fruit? And I'm like, oh, I didn't really think about that. So what question drills allow you to do, Jack, is it allows you to preemptively guess everything you're going to get asked, find answers to everything you'll get asked, so that when you get on the stage, like the stage that we're on right now, there's nothing that phases you. So if you ask me any question whatsoever, I've already thought of an answer beforehand. Not because Brendan is more special, okay, maybe a little bit. No, I'm kidding, but because Brendan has has spent Vulper the time, proud. right, to go through those 600 questions, those 700 questions, and how this works out practically. If you have a coach, it's you know like more direct, but you don't need a coach either. It could be a group of entrepreneurs where you sit down, have pizza, or I guess something vegetarian for the vegetarians out there. And you're sitting there and you're just barraging each other with questions for a few hours and you just get completely destroyed but then after three hours you have an answer for everything in the book
0: mm-hmm. awesome awesome so it's just sort of preparing in advance so, sort of like sales like you sort of have objections already sort of in your head what might come up and you sort of just get used to it that way is that sort of what you're saying
1: correct the only thing that's different about my approach i love the objections handling piece too is more like i literally have people like attack them with questions right away like mm-hmm. and the purpose of the question is really to figure out questions that you feel the entrepreneur doesn't have an answer to so uh-huh. let's say an entrepreneur is talking about their business and i would jump in and say okay talked about your go to market strategy why did you pick portugal over this country And they go oh crap i didn't i didn't think through my criteria so that's so that's the trick the goal is really to make sure they get the wrong answer so that they're prepared for every worst case scenario
0: So does this sort of just develop, like, the mind of thinking on the spot and sort of being confident with, like, the answer that you're giving, yeah? Absolutely. So talking on confidence there, obviously, is, like, posture, is that something which plays, like, an important role in, like, your voice and, like, your confidence?
1: Yeah, I would say for me posture is probably the 17th ball out of the 18th, to play that analogy more. And the reason is because most of us have good posture, except, like, Okay, maybe you're back. I don't even think my posture is great in this episode right now, right? So I think, I think it's important, but not definitely not a priority. But the trick on this that I teach people is called stick together. So a lot of the posture issues come from your feet being too wide when you're standing up in a presentation. So just stick your feet together like butter, and you'll generally have a, a natural pose when you're speaking. Then you could split your feet when you're ready.
0: Awesome, awesome. So you keep going back to that the ball analogy there. You're saying that's like the the high end of it. So what sort of would be like your top five sort of tips um, for dads dads entrepreneurs uh, to be working on at home?
1: Yeah, and let's let's actually shorten this down to three so people can actually will execute those three. Yeah, awesome. Number one, do the random exercise five minutes a day every day. This is more transformational than you know. Because as you do this every day for like a month, you'll have done it like 150 times, right? Small actions every day add up to big results. You do that, you go back to your presentation at work. It'll be so easy for you to do anything because they'll ask you questions that are related to your business. You're like, wow, you're not asking me about avocados. Wow, this is really easy. Right? So that's number one. That's the first thing I would prioritize. Number two is go back to your sales pitch and re-practice it because you're not practicing in the right way. Most people are just doing end-to-end, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30, and then they get lunch. They're tired. That's not how you do this. Now, the next time, use that two hours and just practice your intro and your conclusion. One hour for the intro. How do I start the sales pitch and present that part over and over and over again? Same thing with the conclusion. How am I ending this? Am I just saying, thank you? Or am I helping my audience imagine a world where all of my ideas get implemented and they're using my product or service in their business, their lives, and how that life is changing? That's the second piece is practice like jigsaw puzzles. And then number three is mm, I would say what's the third? Oh, question drills would probably be the third one. Preemptively guess all of the questions you're going to get asked and come up with answers. If you just do those three things right? Most people don't Mm. do any of those three things. Even if you just do one of those three things, you will get results. I guarantee it.
0: Awesome. So uh, going on point three there. So what I like to do for like my sales calls, I've got um, these cards and I've sort of wrote on them like the objection, which I would get. And then on the back of it, I have sort of like a preempted script, what I would sort of say, like a story, so to speak. Um, Is that like a good technique or do you have like a different technique?
1: I I love that. I I love that. I think that's a great strategy. The only thing I would add is I like turning up the pressure cooker with question drills. So for me, what's the most effective is and that's a great strategy to definitely take that one to the bank. I think it's great. Like I do the same thing, right? I got like post-its as well with different objections, but the other piece that I would add is definitely the live component of this uh, makes it more stressful for the entrepreneur. Cause if there's other entrepreneurs who are just trying to poke holes in your deck, you feel a lot more pressure and it's more stressful. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Why? Because when you go back to that one-on-one sales call, that sales call's a joke.
0: Yeah, awesome, awesome. So is there any other tips or anything like that that you think that the listener at home could uh, take away that you think that maybe we've not gone over?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely hundreds of tips we can talk about, but I would say the the other piece is don't be shy to leverage your network for feedback and don't be shy to leverage your network to practice. So, for example. Right. What I always like to say on podcasts is there's three types of people listening to the show. Person number one is listening to the tips and going, oh, that's cool, and then moves on with their life. Person number two is taking notes on those tips and going, these tips are really cool, and then they don't implement those tips. And then person number three, which is a very small percentage of the people listening to the show right now, are writing all the tips down and going, okay, how do I do this with my executive team tomorrow? How do I do this? Like one of my clients does the random word exercise with their team in their like their uh, what do you call it? their town hall in the morning, like their morning yeah. meetings. that that's a good example of person number three. Be person number three. Don't just write down the tips, but apply them. And also the last piece is the video messages going back to person number three. They're not just sending a couple every like one, one time. they're like, okay, let me send a few videos. like during the holidays. I sent over a hundred video messages. I don't just say tips and don't apply them. I made a list of all my clients, all my prospects that we're gonna close in 30 days, all my old clients, and I sent them all 30 second videos. I spent two hours on this, wishing them a happy holidays. And we were their only service provider who is doing that so we closed a lot more business go make money if people like money go do that right it's easy
0: yeah. awesome so can we uh, just recap on the the top three then just so that person number three who's listening I think it goes in their head again so can we just uh, <laughs> recap on that
1: and you're definitely in that list jack I yeah so I've, r- that, so I've i've wrote that
0: down cool. already <laughs>
1: I, that's all the podcast. I always sound like a coach. It's like, you got to do this thing. So yeah, number one, random word exercise. All I'm asking for is five minutes a day. And what I've found from experience, especially if you're a dad, so you're like 30, 20, like 30 and above, let's say you definitely have kids. So most of the time, actually you do because you're a dad. So in that case, <laughs> Definitely the best way to hold yourself accountable is to do this with your kids, make it a fun activity with them, and you'll also help them with their communicate, their communication skills, and you're helping them grow as well. That's tip number one. Awesome. Tip number two is really practice your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Don't worry about getting everything in the presentation right, especially the sales pitch. Just focus on, is there a better way to deliver this first five minutes and get it done? A great analogy that you've done really well in this interview, Jack, is the introduction of this podcast. I'm 100% sure when you started doing intros for guests, you probably, it probably sounded like, oh, uh, yeah, Brendan's here and uh, he's from MasterTalk. So Brendan, talk to us more about you. And now it's evolved to like the super amazing like script, right? That's the key, right? You focus on mm-hmm. your intro and then you'll focus on your conclusion makes it a lot better. And then finally, number three, implement the question drill. You don't even need a team for this. If, if you can't find people, literally just sit down with yourself and go, what are 10 questions that my core audience is going to ask me about this presentation? Just write down those questions and try and answer them. That alone of itself will help improve your results.
0: Awesome, my friend. Thank you very much. So if the listeners is listening to this and they sort of want more one-to-one coaching uh, with you and advice, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. So there's two easy ways to get involved with me. First one, easy. Go to YouTube, type "master talk" in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of videos on how to communicate effectively your ideas. And number two, for those of you who are interested in coaching, I would encourage you to sign up for one of our free interactive live trainings over Zoom. We coach people for free on that call. It's not a webinar. I'm there. I'm coaching. And if you want access to that, it's rockstarcommunicator.com.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So I definitely recommend uh, checking out the YouTube channel because I've been watching the videos on there and literally it is golden. So you should definitely check that out, which is master talk. Is that right? You got it. Perfect. And then obviously you just said then it's rockstarcommunicator.com and I'll put all these in the show notes. So if you just click in the show notes that you can check everything out there. So Brendan, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for coming on today. Um, It's been been a pleasure. And this has been Ambitions of the Dad. So until next time, take care.